This is Journey with Care. We are in our series, The Flavors of Care. In a world that craves joy and adventure, a remarkable individual emerges as the embodiment of exuberance. The enthusiast, also known as the Enneagram Type 7. The enthusiast radiates an infectious zest for life, igniting a trail of excitement wherever they go. Their boundless curiosity and insatiable thirst for new experiences make them the embodiment of joy and exploration. With an innate ability to find the silver lining in any situation, the enthusiast embodies the spirit of unbridled optimism that uplifts those around them. Beyond their effervescent exterior lies a depth of emotion and a profound desire for connection. The enthusiast thrives on forming meaningful relationships that mirror the vibrant tapestry of their own inner world. Their genuine and spontaneous nature creates an atmosphere where laughter and inspiration flourish. While their enthusiasm is undeniably magnetic, the enthusiast learns to navigate the delicate balance between indulging in new adventures and embracing the art of stillness and reflection. Through this self-awareness, they cultivate a deeper appreciation for the present moment and find fulfillment within themselves. In the company of the enthusiast, one is swept away by their contagious spirit, feeling empowered to chase their dreams and live life to the fullest. Their ability to infuse each day with a sense of wonder sparks personal growth and fuels a sense of purpose within their community. Today, we are honored to introduce the founder of Care Portal, Adrian Lewis, joining our host, Wendy, on an inside scoop of the interworkings of the mind of the enthusiast. This conversation promises to be a journey of self-discovery, optimism, and the magical essence of embracing life's possibilities. So let's get curious and let's start the conversation. Welcome to the Journey with Care podcast. Last but not least, we are landing on our final flavor that we want to highlight. And with me in studio is Adrian Lewis, the creator of Care Portal. Welcome to the podcast. Man, I am so happy to be here, Wendy. Thank you for inviting me. This is fun. I've not had a podcast like this in the great country of Canada. It's cool. Well, you are now speaking to an audience of Canadians. Some will know you, those of us that have been using the Care Portal platform, whether from an agency side or the churches, we will be well familiar with Care Portal. But many of the Canadians do not know about Care Portal yet. Can you introduce yourself to Canada and uh, your baby? I can. So, yeah. Well, I'm a husband and father of six. I love Jesus. I'm trying to do the things he's asking me to do. Some of them are in my sweet spot. I would do them even if he didn't ask. And some of them have been really, really hard. And yet the hard things are the things that have, have shaped me the most. And so, you know, Care Portal being one of those things, being a foster parent is another one of those things, being an adoptive dad is another one of those things. And so this journey that we're on to really care for people in a radical way uh, is personal to me. It's, it's more than academic. You had a huge change in your life. I think it was back in 2010, big shift yeah. in your life from, from the business world to what you're doing now. Can you tell us about what that shift looked like for you? Yeah, for sure. So in 2007, my wife and I took a, a mission trip to Haiti. It's the first mission trip I had ever, ever been on. And, you know, on that trip, to keep it simple, we just had an 
an encounter with the Lord that changed our perspective. In short, we went from being believers to being followers. And as a follower, you open your eyes and mind and heart to say yes to things that you may not have said yes to before. And that's what happened to us. And so we became really close with the ministry that we went on the trip with, which is the Global Warfare Project. We ultimately got proposed to leave my company after three years of really investing in the ministry as a donor and a volunteer and so on, to leave my company and join them and you know help fill a gap that they had. They thought I was the right guy for it. So my wife and I prayed through it. She's an amazing woman. You know, Her attitude was, if the Lord is in this, then I'm with you no matter what it costs. Oh, I've met her and she is amazing. I will attest to that. And what a gap you have been filling and it's increasing across the U.S. And now we are the first country to take it outside of the U.S. here in Canada. And we've been working together for Canadianizing this so that it would work here in Canada. I want to dive into your flavor of care. Um, affectionately, we're calling it the enthusiast. For those of us are, that are familiar with Enneagram, we're, we're talking with the Enneagram 7 the enthusiast. Before we get into that, can you tell us what your favorite ice cream is or what you would sort of characterize your personality type to be an ice cream? That's interesting. So my favorite ice cream, I don't know if you have Freddy's in I don't Canada, think we do. But it's a, it's a chain, you know, and they do burgers, fries and stuff, but they have this amazing custard. So I'm cheating a little bit because it's custard, but there's a vanilla custard with peanut butter and peanut butter sauce, uh, peanut butter cups and peanut butter sauce. And my wife and I will get a large and we'll split that thing and it'll be a, a happy day in a Lewis house. Oh, I would grab a spoon in a heartbeat. One thing I remember of you early on when we have had meals together with our team and yours, you are a sharer at a restaurant. You like yeah. to share dishes, right? Like just share the love and, and very enthusiastic about that. You know, I mean, look, if we're going to a restaurant, we can all win <laughs> if we just order different things. Right? I mean, why, why not take advantage of that? That seems, it's amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Enneagram 7. This is a, in a heartbeat of uh, this in a nutshell is what it's like. So how would you describe your natural flavor as an enthusiast, as a personality type beyond the ice cream in the, the restaurant at Freddy's? Um, how would you describe yourself as a, an enthusiast? Yeah, I think it's really easy for me to be happy. Mm -hmm. So I just gravitate towards it. And I know that's not true for everybody. And so I, I don't take it for granted. It's, a, it's just really a blessing. It's not hard for me to be happy. I am actually often looking for where is the joy in this thing, good, bad, or ugly? Like, where can I find the joy in it? Um, but if I, if I dig underneath the surface, like, why am I that way? There's reasons. There's reasons come going back to my childhood that helped to shape me to become the kind of person that I am. Uh, but how it plays out in day-to-day -day life, I'm eager to take on the next thing. I see the glass half full. I'm always thinking we can do way more than we actually can in the time and resources that we have. And I'm okay if I miss because we're just going to try something else, you know? So in general, that, that's what it sums up. I am constantly trying to galvanize to other people to get on board with whatever it is that's, that's happening. And sometimes they like it and sometimes they don't. <laughs> I love that. 
I'm in Enneagram eight, hard Man. wing seven. So what you're you're describing does um, sit well with me. It resonates. Yeah. You're the type of person from what I'm hearing is, you know, that analogy of you see this big room full of this horse manure and, and most people are saying, hey, that stinks. It's terrible. What's going on here? You're the guy that says there must be a pony in here somewhere. That's right. A horse, maybe even an elephant. Right? We're going to find <laughs> what's good in here. <laughs> That's right. So using that analogy, you've been faced when you were in Haiti and you came back to the U.S. and you, you did some probing. You, you took children in and you're fostering, adopting. Your eyes were open to a lot of tragedy, a lot of crises, a lot of nuanced, complex issues within child welfare in the nation. How did you turn that from seeing that, that sobering reality, how did you turn that into, hey, maybe there's a pony in there somewhere or an elephant that we could build this Care Portal app? You know, I, I don't want to oversimplify the trauma that lots of humans experience. It's, it's not a good thing. Kids experience things that they should never have to go through. I have three adopted sons. I can tell you stories of their past. So... Although I'm naturally an enthusiast, my enthusiasm is actually to help solve for that. My enthusiasm is to say, how can we minimize or prevent that trauma from happening to people as much as we possibly can? So maybe that's your driving force. Like, I've got to get to the bottom of this. There's got to be another way. That's right. There's got to be another way. And how can we figure out what the barriers are? For people who want to care, but don't actually know how to care, how do we help them through those barriers? And, and how do we be passionate about that process? And CareFor is really built on that, right? It's, it's built on taking action and removing barriers so other people can take action, that they can care for the most vulnerable in their midst. I would love for you to explain to our listeners, for those that are new to the Care Portal, what it is that your platform does and what is Care Portal? Yeah, I'm I'm super excited about what Care Portal is because in its essence, it's simple. Uh, the problem that Care Portal solves is you have people who are aware of the critical needs of other people in their community, and they have a job to help meet those needs. We'll call them caseworkers. And then you have people in the community who, if they were aware of those needs that are in proximity to them. And they had the resources or the time or the talent to meet them, they would. And what CarePool does is it matches up these vetted needs that come from caseworkers with an army of people in the community, mostly through the local church, who want to make a difference in the lives of those families that are in need. And so just like Uber or Airbnb or other things maybe in Canada I'm not even aware of, this like technologies have created framework for people to get connected and create value in each other's lives in the marketplace that's happening all over in the social sector care portal is really the first to market at scale that can really help bring community-based solutions from the community that's what we're after I really love that. And here in Canada, we're at that very early stage and and working with early adopters, both in the agencies and the churches to bring about that concept, because some of the the, the feedback I, I may get from people that are new to Care Portal saying, 
but I just pick up the phone or I send an email or I knock on the door. The question I have though in those those conversations is how's that working for you? Because it isn't what it was 30 years ago and actually we're not as relational as as we could be. And so here is an app. Here is a platform that puts intentionality to it that really puts practical ways of the community to get involved and it's it's doing well here in Canada. We're slow and we're like the little engine that could, but we couldn't have done it without you and your team supporting us and the vision that we have for our nation. And I think if I'm reflecting on your flavor enthusiasm and the cheerleading you have provided us uh, when we see nothing, but we have the vision for it, you bring a spirit of innovation. And I imagine that has served you well in even developing this and evolving this platform. Can you talk a little bit about that entrepreneurial, innovative side of an enthusiast. Yeah, I think at its core, you know, the drive here is that there is a way to solve the problem. At my core, at our core, we believe that there's there is a way. Like we can do more than we're doing now. And so innovation that's spurred on by that enthusiasm, that core belief is like it's kind of exciting. I mean, People get on board with it. You know, they they want to solve problems. And so if my little gift that I've been given that I can share with the world is to inspire people on to do more than they have been able to do and use some creative ways to get there, then giddy up. Let's go. <laughs> I love that. Giddy up. That comes often in, in our meetings. And tell me more about the development of the portal itself. Did you just wake up and say, hey, what about technology? Did you have tech in your background? What was it that you brought to the table in in developing that? So I have to give 100% blame for this to God, right? In my wildest dreams, I would not have imagined being in the seat that I'm in now. And yet God does things like that. So I blame God for me being what I'm doing too. So I'm with you, bro. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, he, he's the right one to blame, I'll tell you. Uh, so about 10 years ago, I had been with the Global Warfarm Project for you know three or four years at that point in time. And we were trying to help churches in, this, in the U.S. care for kids in their proximity, the most vulnerable kids, right? Kids who needed to be adopted or fostered. And we had lots of resistance because that was a huge ask. Church, would you be willing to foster or adopt? And we banged our heads for two years. Like we failed miserably for a long time with not much traction. So I can relate to when you say, you know, things are slower than you wish they were. We literally had zero impact for two years that we could see. Uh, So I'm reading a document one day about what we've been through, the relationships that we've met, the, the, the feedback we got from people. And literally in a flash, a vision for Care Portal came, meaning a technological mechanism to do what I said before, to source vetted needs, get them to people in proximity who could help, and that those vetted needs would reach far into the pews. It wouldn't just be the people who might foster or adopt, but it'd literally be anyone who could provide a moment or a bed or a ride that could say, if I knew that was in my community, I would do something to help. And when that vision came, just brought it to the team, the leaders. And I said, guys, like, I think this is from the Lord. 
and they are a bunch of enthusiasts too. And so they said, <laughs> let's go for it. You know, let's give this a shot. And God's been faithful. It, it worked early on, uh, not in a pretty way. It was very clunky and ugly, but the concept was was invigorating for people. Like it just made sense. And so they tolerated the clunkiness in order to get to the outcome, which was the caseworker didn't have to know people by name. They couldn't possibly know the thousand people in their city that would be willing to help with this particular need if they were just aware. It's not possible. And so it leveraged community in a way that was really revolutionary for the social sector, for child welfare. Just this wasn't a thing before. Uh, so I'm, I'm super geeked about how we got here. And here we are. We officially launched in March 2015. So we're eight and a half years in. Over 200,000 kids have been served, almost 300,000 wow. in total. And it's through a network of, of churches and people who care that's way beyond what I ever imagined. No, that is beautiful. And as you're sharing the the evolution of the Care Portal story, I can't help but see how God's story in Canada has woven into that. Because as you were developing and as God sort of, I'm blaming God to put me on, me and Harold on this path, as we were developing Canada and doing research and development, I remember in in the spring before we met you and Scott and and all the people at Care Portal, I was speaking at a social service function, talking about community development, and they had invited me, the church lady, to to speak after a, a really invigorating comedian. And I could hear the 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 silence in the room, and they're like, "What is this this lady here to talk about?" But I came on invitation. And I gave an exercise to all the people around the tables in that auditorium. And I said, what are the things that go above and beyond your work that perhaps what I'm saying, if we had a vetted way of doing this, if we had a way of equipping the church and equipping communities to care, what would those things be? And we compiled the hundreds and hundreds of responses. And there was people getting emotional on this. And we compiled it down to about 95 different recommendations. After we sat down with leadership in the, the authorities and we said, what do we do with this? And we said, wouldn't it be amazing? Because I realized right now, the way we have it, it isn't scalable. We were sitting around the table and I said, wouldn't it be cool if we had a technology like Uber, Uber Eats, that would be able to connect and we could actually help build that bridge through technology. We could grow exponentially. And we're like, but I'm not a technologist. We don't have the, the resources and the means to do this, but that's what we need. We set it at that table. Two weeks later, we met Care Portal and we realized you had already created it. And it was just like amazing that you had already built and you were faithful and you were following. You weren't just believing Christ, you yes. were following him. And it's actually now setting the trajectory for Canada. We desire to see all of Canada be connected through the Care Portal. And this would be like a standard practice of how we bridge yes. the church and community to care for the, the most vulnerable, working with service providers. So I have to say a huge thank you for being an enthusiast, because if you would have kind of suppressed that, <laughs> we wouldn't be here today. And uh, what a cool thing. Well, I appreciate that. And I will also say we all have the opportunity to say yes to God. But if we choose not to he'll use somebody else. <laughs> and so, you know, if it wasn't me, it'd be somebody because this is God's idea. And I'm not a technologist. 
didn't have a really good reason to choose me. I, I've never written a single line of code, but he chooses the willing. And, you know, he takes advantages of their strengths and their weaknesses and all the things. And so here we go. So as an enthusiast, what what kind of message would you have for other people? Perhaps they identify with that same flavor of care. What would you tell them? Would you just say, like, giddy up? Mm, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. I would, I would also say, uh, well, a couple of things. One, every Enneagram number. Every personality, every flavor has its strengths and weaknesses, yeah. right? There's, there isn't one that's better than the others. And so if you ask the people around me, what's the downside of working with Adrian? Uh, <laughs> they might say something like, well, he often says things as though they're so, and they're not even close to so, right? <laughs> but you've imagined them to be, and you, you're already envisioning them, right? I'm already envisioning them. And You're not I'm making things up. No, and I'm imagining that we can move this big pile of dirt with forks and spoons. And they're like, no, buddy, we actually <laughs> need a dump truck, right? So mm-hmm. if we don't have a dump truck, this is going to take 10 times as long as you expected to. And so what I've had to learn is to listen to the people around me who are wise, and they say, that's a good idea, but here's actually what's required to get that done. Yes. And to regulate my expectations so that we can actually achieve success in a, in a really excellent way. Uh, because we might be able to get there and have a, a good result, but to get an excellent result, it's going to take more than what I think it's going to take. And so having people around me who are willing to push, I often use the words like push on this or pressure test this mm-hmm. so that they have the freedom to be them and be an eight or, or be a one or whatever, so that I can hear the other perspectives. It's paramount for success to have people like that around you. No, that is so valuable. And, and one of the themes that we've been seeing as we've been talking to many different people throughout this series that we need each other. On our own, we are not complete. On our own, we have blind spots and shadow sides to us that we need each other to sharpen each other and to to really drive a better result, to drive a richer community forward and uh, to grow in health. So I appreciate you saying that. Now, if you had received some some constructive criticism on, maybe you presented 10 ideas because you're so passionate about all of them and you think all of them could happen. And if seven of them are shot down, mm-hmm. are you discouraged or are you just like, great, three of them are, are keepers? No, I, I'm not discouraged because it's just my, it's just the nature of the seven. It's not likely for us to get discouraged, right? It's one of the gifts that we have. It's, it's okay. We can persevere through things and we can just keep on trying and keep on trying. So it doesn't discourage me. I can get frustrated if I feel like people aren't trying, but that's my problem, right? So I, I'm, I'm calling out my weakness is that I'm, I'm maturing in. It's a battle, but I'm maturing in it, is to understand that people pushing on the ideas is really valuable. So you asked me, you know, what advice would you have for other people who are like you? It's like, hey, go for it. Absolutely keep trying, but surround yourself with people who aren't just going to say yes to whatever it is that you say, because that's not the best outcome. The best outcome is there is collaboration with people who are different than you 
you might lead the charge, but they are making sure that the horses are attached to the wagon and it's actually going to get to where you're trying to go, right? That's super important. So in what ways can other people around you, around that team or your family or wife, how do they care best for you? What does it feel like to be cared for well and understood? Um, so my coworkers, my friends, my family, this might sound ridiculous, but caring for me is as much about presenting reality as it is about being excited with me, mm. right? So being excited with me is awesome, but it can't stop there if you're really going to care for me. I need you to test what I'm saying, and I need you to be able to say, man, that sounds like fun, buddy, but it's probably not the right time for it. That's mm. actually caring for me. Because my nature isn't, doesn't generally get me to go there. My nature right. just says, we can do this, all of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Care for me, test, test what I'm saying. And my, you know, the people close to me really do a good job of that. It's really good. And I'm just curious now on a spiritual level in your relationship with God, how do you relate to God as an enthusiast in all the ideas and the enthusiasm that you bring, what does that look like in your relationship with God? How does he bring you through non-enthusiastic things like grief and hardship and the things that you've described? What's that been like to journey with God through those things? Those are good and difficult discussions. Uh, so I'm on a journey, just like all of us. And on this journey, I can tell you that I believe most of God's promises very easily. I believe Romans 8, 28, he's going to work all things together for the good mm. of those who are called. I believe that Jesus is uh, always with you, will always with me, and will never forsake me. I believe that the truth will set me free, right? I, I believe that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me, and I'm created in the image of God, and he knew me before time began in my mother's womb, you know, all those things are easy for me to believe. So that's the way I relate to the Lord is focusing on the things that he says are true and living in that power. However, what I've also learned about myself is the emotion of being overwhelmed or scared, sad, angry, those emotions, like I don't like them. Mm. I tend to avoid them. I tend to want to avoid them and other people, not give freedom for those emotions to be experienced by, by them either. And that's not all good. The, the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. Well, why did he weep? And it, I'm not just talking about little tears. I mean, he, he came alongside people in his life that were sad, grieving, mm. and grieved with them. And so for, for me to recognize that shortcoming in myself and try to reconcile why am I that way and figuring out where that roots back into my childhood and how that impacts me in the relationships I have with my wife and my kids and, and, and everybody else, that's work, right? Mm -hmm. That's self-discovery work. It doesn't mean that I don't remain enthusiastic, but it also means that I need to both allow myself and the people around me to experience those emotions and know that we're not going to die. We're not going to get mm -hmm. stuck in grief forever just because we're grieving now. 
We're not going to be stuck in anger forever just because we're angry now. And it's okay to be overwhelmed with the circumstances of your life in this moment. It doesn't mean you're going to be there forever, which actually is my deepest fear, is I'm going to get stuck in those emotions. And so I'm trying to avoid that at almost all costs. And that's just real. You know, this is real things that are part of who I am. Um, so can you be an enthusiast and also recognize that, that you have a shortcoming and some blind spots? And yes, you can. You have to just be super intentional and know it's a journey. You will get there as long as you keep trying to get there. So God has helped me see those blind spots. And these promises are still true. I will never leave you or forsake you, even in the midst of your grieving, in the midst of your fear, in the midst of your anger, in the midst of being overwhelmed. And so I take comfort in that. Wow, Adrian, that uh, really is a good message for our Canadian audience in the context that we are dealing with in Canada. There's a lot of grief, a lot of sobering realities, historical issues that the church has been involved with particularly with our Indigenous brothers and sisters, a lot of icky things that are being uncovered here. It's not good. Some of the sobering realities and the statistics, it's just, yeah, it, it's very sobering. And yet to hear from an enthusiast to say, yes, but God is still good and God can work all things together for good. And you know what? I, I do ha share that optimism. I do share that optimism that despite all the tragedy, and we don't make light of that or, or think we can fix it, but despite all of that, there is a pathway through. And, and so thank you very much for bringing that message to us, because I feel like we're on the early cusp of this journey, at least as Care Impact and the, the people and the, the, the agencies and churches and businesses that are partnering with us for this new way forward. Um, so thank you. It's the journey I'm on. I'll share what's been given to me. To conclude our series and also just this conversation, as you have been one that has had an impact here in Canada in letting us um, utilize the care portal as we develop it here, I'm wondering, can you pray for Canada? Can you pray that that God would do a good thing? We know a tool is just technology. It's It's complicated. It's beautiful. It's amazing technology but that God would use that instrumentally as we follow him together towards seeing more children and families cared for in community. I'm honored, Wendy, and thank you for your leadership and your team in Canada. You're blazing a trail uh, to really help improve the communities that you care about and the people in those communities. So keep after it, sister. Um, I appreciate this time. and. Mm. Uh, and I'm happy to pray. Thank you. Father, you have heard all of our words. You do understand us more than anybody else does. And you know the good, bad, and ugly. You know the things that are happening in Canada right now and have happened over, over the centuries. And you know that the distrust that is created because of it. You know the sins of the church. You know the brokenness of people. You know them by name. And so I just, uh, I beg you, Lord, and I beg you to, empower those who are trying to make a difference uh, in your name. I'm, and I'm begging you, Lord, to empower people in the church who might be afraid of doing things differently and engaging people different than them. I beg you, Lord, that you would, you would help them push through those barriers in their minds and their hearts 
I beg you, Lord, that families who are on the brink would would receive help and have the trust necessary and the vulnerability necessary to to let people into their lives. I beg you, Father, that you would stir the hearts of leaders across the country and churches that they would they would not shrink back both from the sins of the past and their abdication of responsibilities and the challenges ahead of them, that they would take this seriously and they would know that the best way to build the bride of Christ into what she was made to be is by loving the neighbor, every neighbor, with whatever they can. Thank you for joining us on our series, Flavors of Care. We will continue to celebrate the uniqueness of individuals and their ways of fitting into the community, sharing different perspectives and stories from different guests. We hope you'll join us and maybe you'll come out the other side learning a little bit more about yourself and those around you. And hey, just like ice cream, podcasts are so much more fun when shared with others. So share this series with a friend or family member and remember to visit our website, journeywithcare.ca to stay informed of upcoming podcast meetups, all the links, information on our guests, and so much more. Again, thank you for listening, and let's stay curious.